Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, December 6th, 2020, we begin our Christmas series titled Season of Giving. Today's sermon, God the Giver, will be taught to us by Pastor Ed Lutz. Enjoy. for Christmas? Yeah, a lot of things are getting canceled, but not Christmas. Never, never, never. Uh, That gift is an eternal gift in the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, are you ready? Get a little show of hands. How many of you already have all your decorations up? Let me see. Uh, That's pretty good. How many of you are finished shopping? This is the one that creates envy, which is not good. A few of you, good job. Well, if you're like me, I, I, Christmas kind of sneaks up on me. I, it'll be December 23rd, and, and I realize, oh man, I gotta hit the store. It's too late to order online. I tell myself, well, I, I wait till those last minute deals, but the reality is I'm just lazy and forgetful or get distracted. Um, I'm gonna try to be better this year, but you know what? God's timing for Christmas was perfect. Did you know that? Galatians chapter four The Apostle Paul writes this, when the fullness of time had come. From eternity past, the fullness of time had come, it had arrived, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption. You see, Jesus came in the fullness of time that we could be part of the family of God. That's the message of Christmas, and that is such an encouragement. Today is the season of giving. That's we're starting that series. I am the first one up, and we are talking about God the giver. Now, we could be here for hours because this book is full of everything that God gives, but we're gonna kind of cut that down, kind of look at a a 20,000-foot view on some things and then zero in on some really specific, precious gifts that God gives us. Um, but ultimately, get, let me give you the main idea. If you walk out of here with nothing else, here's the main idea. Here's the takeaway. It's on your Highlands app, or if you're taking notes. God gives because of who he is. He gives out of who he is. God himself is a giver. And two questions come to mind when, when you think of that. What does God give? What does he give? And then how should we respond to what it is that God gives? Those two questions are gonna guide our time this morning, so those are kind of the the big overviews. But let me pray and ask God to bless our time in his word. Father, you are the giver. Every perfect gift comes from you. We are so thankful that you've allowed us to gather this morning, that you have given us your word, which tells us the message of your son, which is the message of Christmas. And I just pray that you can guide our thoughts, encourage us today, and then may we walk out of here not only knowing how blessed we are, but also with the mission that we have, and that is to tell other people. So give us your thoughts, convict us where we need to be convicted, and may you get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's first talk about that question number one. What is it that God gives? What does God give? And again, we could be here for hours, but let me just simplify. I think we have two categories, okay? So the two big buckets, you ready? 
God gives blessings and then he gives justice. We're gonna talk about the blessing ones first. God gives blessing. Why does God give blessing? Because he is love. That's who he is. That's what 1 John 4 tells us. God blesses because he is love. Now there's a reality in, in which God blesses all humanity. That's called common grace. Have you heard that term before? Maybe you've been around church for a while or been in a Sunday school class. Let me just give you a, a quick definition of common grace. Common grace is God's beneficence, his kindness, his general goodwill that he expresses to all humankind. All humankind. So what's an example of common grace? Well, the first thing, we, I mean, there's several. Let me just give you a few. God gives life. God gives life to every living creature. First Timothy 6 says that God gives life to all things. Nehemiah, in, in his book, says that God only gives life to things that are on the earth, but to things that are in the seas. Everything that has life has been given life by God, common to all. Secondly, God restrains evil. Now you may be thinking, you're looking around, are you kidding me yet? Have you looked around what it's like out there? Well, let me just tell you, it can be a lot worse. And if you believe in a futuristic view of the book of Revelation, it will become a lot worse. You see, God has given the world his spirit through his church. His spirit indwells believers. We are that moral compass in a way. We stand for righteousness and truth. God has instituted the authority of government to bring justice on wrongdoers. Can you imagine what will happen if there were no government anywhere in the face of the earth? Pretty bad, right? So God is restraining evil. And thirdly, just through God's general provision of of, of creation. In, in Genesis 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 29 and 30, it says that God gave Adam and Eve plants that would produce seed, and these seeds would fall to the ground, and they would, they would produce harvest, and Adam and Eve could eat of the fruit of the ground. The sun, the sun rises and sets on the evil and the good. Everyone around the world, everyone gets to see the sunrise and the sunset unless you live in LA and they're smog. But other than that, everybody gets to experience that. The rain that falls from the sky in every other state besides Arizona falls on the, on the just and the unjust. Examples of God providing through creation. What I'd like to talk about today are the blessings that God gives really with, on those with whom he has relationships. So let me just give you a few. And, and these, I believe, would be outward blessings, inward blessings, and what I would say, eternal blessings. And that's where we get to the gospel. That's the juicy stuff. That's gonna be the good news that we cover this morning. Well, what's an outward blessing? There are many. But the one outward blessing would be the fact that God meets our physical needs. Now, all these verses are on the screen, so I'm gonna have you turn to some passages. So God gives us outward blessings. One, meeting our physical needs. If you have your Bibles or pull it up on your phone, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six falls in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. A while back as a church, we studied the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. The Sermon on the Mount falls in chapters five, six, and seven. And here in chapter six, Jesus talks about the fact that we have a Father who provides for us. Verse 25, Matthew chapter six, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, 
what you will eat, there's the food, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Just jump down to verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. See, your heavenly Father knows what you need. He provides for you food, drink, clothing. We don't have to worry about that. God meets our physical needs. Secondly, what does God provide? Again, these are outward blessings. See, these are the things that are visible. So we can see food. We can see drink. We can see clothes. Another visible blessing, an outward blessing, would be answer to prayer. Have you ever thought about that as an outward blessing? But why do I say answer to prayer is an outward blessing? Because when we pray and we we lift our requests up to the Lord, when we ask things according to his will, 1 John 5 says when we ask things according to his will, not only does he hear our requests, but he gives us the requests that we ask. And we can see those. Those things are manifest and we're able to experience those. God answers prayer We're in Matthew chapter seven. So if you're there, just look over on the next page. Matthew chapter seven, verse seven. Jesus says these words, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, It will be opened. And then he goes into this really cool illustration of a father with a child. This is is that, again, that personal relationship that God has with us. Verse nine, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? That'd be ridiculous. That'd be cruel, really, wouldn't it? Or if he asks for a fish, will the father give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Now that sounds a little bit harsh, doesn't it? See, but what this verse is doing is gonna compare us to a God who's holy and perfect. So when you compare humanity to a God who's perfect and holy and without sin, guess what, that, that means that we're not. <laughs> so we're evil in that way. So then, those who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? See, we see the outward answers to prayer when we ask and we take those requests to the Lord. Isn't that incredible? What a blessing that is. Here's a question for you. Have you ever prayed and you believe you're asking according to the will of God and you lay it out there and what's the, what's the response? Nothing. Silence. You ever done that? You ever prayed, been on your knees, prayed for Weeks, months, some of us years, you've been praying for the Lord to answer this prayer and you're crying out to God, please Lord, hear me, I believe I'm asking according to your will. I believe this is what you want. Give me something, but I got nothing. You been there? (laughs) And you're looking, I just need to know that you're moving. Uh, A few years ago, I have four incredible grandchildren Uh, two boys, two girls. When our first granddaughter was born, a couple months after she was born, we we found out that she was born with a condition that we were unaware of at the time, so she's in Phoenix Children's Hospital, month, month and a half, 
And I gotta tell you, man, it was, it was exhausting on the parents, obviously, but as grandparents, you know, I'm, on my, I'm in my office in my, at my home, and, and there were several nights where I'm just on the carpet, on my face, crying out to God, Lord, please, I need to, I, and I know this sounds shallow, but I was pretty raw, man. I just need to know that you hear me. I know I'm a pastor, and I know you do, but I gotta, can you give me a sign? I know you're thinking, oh, that's, that's weak, but I'm, I was at a point where I just needed something. I needed a visible outworking here. You ever been there? It's good, I'm not alone. Well, is that a ministry partner? In Southwest Phoenix, we have several ministry partners as a church, and I was with there some friends, Craig and Don Johnson. Some of you might know them. They were leading up this particular group. And this opportunity we had on a Saturday, we would go, and there were people who were extremely poor, some were living on the streets, and they show up to this outdoor market, and we would get a big black trash bag, and we'd take these people, and we'd walk through this outdoor market. Anything they wanted, man, just throw it in there. If they could fit it in a bag, they could have it. There's toys, clothes, toothpaste, deodorant, you, anything you can imagine, the people donated. So I'm down there, and Craig Johnson calls me over to the front, like, hey, Pastor Red, come here, I want you to meet somebody, and I go down, and and he introduces me to this really small woman. Her name was Shirley. And he goes, Pastor Ed, don't you have a granddaughter that's in Phoenix Children's Hospital? And I say, yeah, she's been there about a month. Yeah, we don't know what's wrong. Well, Shirley has a granddaughter that's in Phoenix Children's. And her daughter's there alone, and they won't let her in. But would you be willing to go visit her daughter and maybe just pray with her? So I, sure, I'd love to do that. And that afternoon, after we cleaned up there, I went to Phoenix Children's Hospital. I had gotten the room information. You know, pastors have the opportunity to go into these rooms. And, and I gotta tell you, man, I've been, I've been in a lot of hospital rooms, visited a lot of people. And I walk in, and I can see the young mom, and she's kind of pensive. She's just looking out the window. So she's got her back to the door. And I walk in, introduce myself, and then I look at this little five-year-old girl laying in the bed. And I'm telling you, man, I've never seen so many machines and tubes and noises in my life. So this was obviously a really, really serious situation. And I, so I prayed with the mom, prayed over the girl, thanked the, God, thanked the Lord for the provision of the hospital, thanked God for his peace, that he's in control, that he's a, he's a loving God, that he hears us. Prayed and... I turn and I walked out and I get outside the door and I got hit with a ton of bricks and I had to step off to the side and I just kind of slunk down the hallway and three years later, still gets me, I start weeping. You see, I had realized um, all the things that I had prayed and the thanksgiving that I was able to give over that little girl I hadn't done with my own granddaughter. See, Philippians 4 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request. See, give thanks before you ask that request. And I realized I had been praying and calling out to God and asking him to move, and yet I, I failed to acknowledge and give him thanks for what we were going through, how that was drawing our family closer together, the fact that my daughter was in one of the best, uh, my granddaughter was in one of the best hospitals in the, in the nation. And I realized, Lord, forgive me. You taught me incredible lesson through a woman who was homeless that I've never met before and probably will never meet again. 
but in all things to give thanks. And God at that moment gave me incredible peace. And I was able to go up, visit with my daughter and her husband. And uh, three years later, she's doing great. My granddaughter's healthy as can be. And, but see, that was an outward blessing, an answer to prayer. And I gotta tell you, it wasn't my timing. It wasn't the way that I thought it would happen. But hang in there. The Lord hears his children. And he answers prayers that align to his will. Outward blessing. One more outward blessing. He gives us relationship. He gives us community. How many of you have a, a large family? Let me see. Any, any only children here? You're the only one? Yeah. I grew up, uh, just two of my family. My dad left when I was 12, so I kind of was raised by a single mom. See, we all have a history. We all have dysfunction. We all have some family baggage. Some of us might feel like my family is gone. My parents are gone. I've lost siblings. But can I tell you the good news? The Bible says that those who put their faith in Christ, they're in the, here's the word, household of God. The household of faith. So you may be sitting over here and you've never seen that man or that woman over there and you've never even talked to him. But you know what? That's your brother and sister. You look around, you've got hundreds of brothers and sisters in this room because you have a heavenly father. That's what the Bible calls Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. Romans 12, it's on the screen, says, so though we are many, we are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members of one another. We have a connectedness here. Now, just like any family, do we rub each other the wrong way at times? Of course, do we offend one another? Of course, probably more often than we should. Do we disappoint each other? Yes. But do we love one another? You bet. Do we need to forgive each other? Not only absolutely, but all the time. And are we better off together than alone? Most definitely. So there's an outward blessing of God meeting our physical needs. God answers prayer. God gives us community and relationship. God also gives us inward blessings. What's an inward blessing? It's simple. It's, just, it's, it's transformation of our character. See, it's God working in us from the inside out. God gives us his Holy Spirit, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit starts to produce in us what's called fruit. You get this, we live in Arizona. We have fruit trees, so those, those fruit begin to show on the tree and then over time as the year goes along, those fruit get bigger, they start to change color and, and they start to take on a warmth to them. There's a sweetness to it. And so God develops these character traits in us that grow over time and actually it helps us become and look more like Jesus Christ. That's called the fruit of the spirit. Do you know them? You wanna say them with me? If you, if you grew up in children's ministry, maybe you memorize them. What are, what are the fruit of the Spirit? I'll, I'll just say them, see if you can say them with me. It comes from Galatians chapter five. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There are nine. That's how you know when you got them all, right? So God gives us his Spirit, which produces fruit. What an inward blessing. Can I talk about two of them just for a moment? Let's talk a little bit about joy and peace. Those seem appropriate. <laughs> when you, joy's a word you hear a lot of this time of year. When I hear the word joy, you know what I think of? I think of Starbucks. Starbucks, yeah, because joy is my wife's Starbucks name. Do you guys have a Starbucks name? Do you have one of those? Do you know why you get those? 
because I think I read somewhere that Starbucks loves to misspell your name on their cups. So my wife's name is Susie. There's a lot of different ways you can spell the word Susie. So she got tired of them misspelling her name, so she's, my name is Joy. My name is Steve, by the way. If you're in Starbucks and you see me and you say, hey, Steve, I will turn and I will look at you. Figure, because... My name is Ed, really, but they, they spelled my name E-D-D one day, and I thought, you gotta be kidding me, man. <laughs> Two letters? So I went with Steve, it works. But we sang a song, first song we sang this morning, Joy to the World, that's what the angel announced to the shepherd. Good news of great joy, what is that good news? A savior has come. Joy to the world, Psalm 1611 says this. You make known to me the path of life. Here it is, here's the key. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. If you are lacking joy, if you are lacking a fullness of joy, guess what? Chances are pretty good that maybe you've wandered from the presence of God in a sense. All right, God is omnipresent, he's, he's with us all the time, but there are things that we can do where we forget about the fact that God walks with us. Maybe it's been a while since we've immersed ourselves in the word of God or just gotten on our knees in the quiet place and just gone to him and communed with him in prayer. If you're lacking joy, how do you get that joy back? There's joy in the presence of God. I pray that this season you'll be able to re-up with the Lord in that way. Put yourself in his presence. Experience that fullness of joy. The world tries to rob it but God loves to give it. How about peace? How about peace? Go in your Bibles to John chapter 14, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so it's the fourth book in the New Testament. Let me sift this one up for you a little bit. John chapter 14. Jesus is with his disciples, and he's telling his disciples, you know, the time has come that I'm ready to go back to heaven. You see, Jesus came to earth to die on the cross, so he, he realizes that he's gonna be crucified soon, then God's gonna raise him up through, from the dead, and then he's gonna ascend back into heaven. So he tells that news to his disciples, and they're incredible anxiety. Incredible anxiety, their hearts become troubled. Why? Because separation produces anxiety, is that true? <laughs> Students, can't go to school, gotta Zoom, can't be with my friends. Here's this welling up of anxiety. Some of us might have loved ones who are people who are compromised, can't go see them. And so it's been weeks, months, several months, and we can't be, right, when you're separated, this anxiety starts to build up within us. So the disciples are experiencing that in John chapter 14, verse one, Jesus says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Skip over to verse 25. Here's the key to peace. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, says Jesus. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring, you, and bring uh, to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, Jesus says, even though I'm not here physically, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit, and he's gonna give you my words. Well, we believers have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and guess what? We have the words of Jesus in this book. 
we can have the peace of God as we yield to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and as we, we come before the Lord in his word. Well, one of the way that God changes us from the inside out, and we may not like this one initially, but it's in Romans chapter five. I'm gonna jump over there. So now I know God changed us from the inside out by giving us his Holy Spirit, but he also brings suffering. And you're thinking, you gotta tell me suffering is a blessing? Well, yes it is. Yes it is. See, when we suffer, it forces us to depend on the Lord with everything that we have. And there's no safer, better place than to be at the foot of the cross telling the Lord how much we need him in a moment of crisis. Paul says in Romans chapter five, starting in verse three, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. See, we're able to put up under the weight as we suffer, God gives us the ability to hang in there and then we we're able to push through and endurance produces character and it starts to shape who we are and character produces hope. There's the blessing. And hope does not put us to shame. Some versions say hope does not disappoint. I love that. Because God's love has been poured out into your hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So God not only gives us the, the inward blessing of his Holy Spirit who changes us from the inside out, but he produces character change in us through suffering, which leads us to trust in him and look forward to the hope that we have in heaven someday. Well, one more blessing, one more blessing, and I'll wrap up pretty quickly here. We have eternal blessings, eternal blessings. What are eternal blessings? Eternal blessings are those things that God gives us that can never fade away. We can, they last forever. We can't earn them. We can't lose them, we don't deserve them, and only God can give them. Why can only God give an eternal blessing? Because God is the only one who's eternal. Only an eternal being can give an eternal blessing. So what are we talking about here? One, complete forgiveness. Complete forgiveness. See, the Bible says that God forgives us of our sin and gives us the righteousness of Christ. We are no longer condemned. We are completely forgiven because of the cross. Number two, we have victory over death. Victory over death. Because Jesus conquered the grave and he lives today, we too will conquer the grave and live. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the moment we die on this earth and our eyes open in glory, we're in the presence of God and we are with him forever, experiencing fullness of life. And third, we have assurance of salvation. See, nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can separate us or snatch us out of God's hand. We can know for certain that we are children of God. That's, that's the eternal blessing of salvation if we put our faith in Christ. So God gives blessing. What else does he give? He gives justice. He gives justice. God has to judge sin. Why? Because he's holy. A holy God cannot look upon sin. In Exodus chapter 34, we see the love and the, and the justice of God played out in two verses. The context of this verse is that Moses 
is chiseling out ten, the tablets for which God's gonna give him the 10 commandments. See, God had given Moses the 10 commandments. Prior to that, Moses came down off the mountain. The Israelites were in rebellion, committing idolatry. Moses gets angry, throws the tablets on the ground, they break. So here we are in chapter 34 of Exodus. God says, chisel out some more. Here they come again. And then he says this in verses six and seven. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin. What a blessing. And here's the justice. But who will by no means clear the guilty? See, a holy God is offended by sin. And guess what? Humanity sins. Our sin is an affront to a holy God. But you know, that's the message of the gospel. Because rather than mankind take the punishment, Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his love for this, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died in our place. 2 Corinthians 5 says that he who knew no sin, Jesus God made to become sin. And then in that process, we take on the righteousness of Christ. Isn't that incredible? See, Sin must be punished. But God chose to put that sin on his son. Isaiah 53 says that our iniquity was placed on him. Our sin was placed on Jesus Christ. John 3.16 is a Christmas verse. Did you know that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish because we should because of our sin but when we put our faith in him and believe on him, we have eternal life. So how do we respond? How should we respond? I think all of us in this room probably are in one of those two camps. We're believers in Christ and we're seeing those incredible blessings or we are still on our sin and facing the justice of God. But the good news of the gospel is that you can trust in Jesus and he'll take that punishment and you will have complete forgiveness. That's the beauty of Christmas. First thing, do you know God? Are you here today and you think, you know, I don't know if I have that relationship. I would love to talk to you about that. Maybe come forward or email me at the church, but come down, don't leave here today. If you have questions about what it means to know the Lord, let's talk. But I'll tell you how it is and the second response, you trust him. <laughs> you trust him. You confess your sin and realize that Jesus came, the perfect holy son of God, he came, he was the perfect sacrifice and he took my sin and when I believe in what he did for me and the fact that he rose again, I, I trust him for that, I become a child of God. I hope you not only know him but you've trusted Christ. Christian, how are you doing in the dark times? Having a difficult time trusting in the Lord right now? I hope you see the blessing that God gives you in this, this text this morning. Third, thank him. There's a lot to be thankful for and we just touched on just a bit. That's how we respond. Let me give thanks now. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a holy God. Thank you that you are a God who distributes justice, punishes sin, but we are so grateful that you've taken that sin and put it on your son Jesus and that when we believe in what he did for us, 
we can become children of God. And all those blessings we saw at the beginning of this message, they're ours because of you. You are the giver. And for that, we thank you. Amen. It's a season of giving, and God is the ultimate giver. We worship a holy God who cannot stand sin, but the good news of the gospel is that he sent his son to pay that price. And we can experience incredible blessings, both both now and forever. Do you know him? Do you trust him? Can you thank him? One more charge. You gotta tell somebody. (laughs) We are doing a series of messages. It's Christmas time. People love going to church, singing Christmas carols. Would you invite somebody back? Or if you're watching online, send them a link to the services. And as you have conversations with people throughout the next couple weeks, tell them of the precious gift that God gave. Tell them about Jesus. And pray that the Lord gives you an opportunity to lead that person to Christ. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Merry Christmas.